Welcome to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. To join in on the conversation, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed, or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, I wanted to wish everyone a happy Halloween. We'll be celebrating it on all episodes of the Matt Watch That and Matt Forgot That podcasts, so make sure to subscribe and tune in for the season's spookiest series and movies. But before we jump into the festivities, earlier this year on the Matt Forgot That podcast, I spoke about my fondness for the reality program American Gladiators. The series pitted two contestants against beefed-up gladiators in feats of strength and agility. Two things I no longer have. Well, a couple of months later, Netflix released the docuseries Muscles and Mayhem, an unauthorized story of American gladiators which takes a trip down memory lane with the gladiators we cheered for, Nitro, Ice, Gemini, Zap, and Blaze, as they recollect on their time on the show, from the heights of stardom and the trappings of fame and fortune, to the cancellation of the beloved series. ESPN also had a 30 for 30 on the series, but it focused more on the creator, Johnny Ferraro, who was a former Elvis impersonator from Erie, Pennsylvania, while he was a bit of a character, no one tuned in the show to watch him do Hound Dog. So consider this the pre-recommendation before the official recommendation. Check it out. Muscles and Mayhem, an unauthorized story of American gladiators. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is skip it. Two stars watch at your own risk. Three stars standard fare four stars worth checking out, and five stars must-see. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. On this episode of the podcast, I'll be reviewing Night Gallery from 1969. The anthology series was created by Rod Serling, born in Syracuse and raised in Binghamton, New York. He enlisted in the U.S. Army after graduating from high school. After being discharged, he enrolled in Antioch College in Yellow Springs, Ohio. He studied broadcasting and theater while earning a Bachelor of Arts in Literature. He volunteered at the radio station WNYC in New York as an actor and writer. A few years later, he moved to Ohio to work as a writer at WKRC-TV, where he would go on to create The Storm. But he's best well known as the visionary of The Twilight Zone. He won six Primetime Emmy Awards for Craft Theater, Playhouse 90, The Twilight Zone, and Bob Hope Presents, The Chrysler Theater. The pilot episode was a made-for-television movie, which aired on November 8, 1969. 
It was written by the creator, Rod Serling. This is something to look out for. The introduction with Rod Serling is the only time that each canvas in the gallery is covered with a sheet until the story is revealed. In subsequent episodes, all of the paintings are displayed. So let's jump into it. The first segment was entitled The Cemetery, directed by Boris Segal, who was nominated for four Primetime Emmy Awards for The Name of the Game, A Case of Rape, Rich Man, Poor Man, and Masada. It starred Roddy McDowell, Ozzie Davis, and George McCready. It tells the story of Mr. William Hendricks, a painter obsessed with death and things dying, who recently had a stroke and is being taken care of by his butler, Osmond Portafoy. He's visited by his black sheep nephew, Jeremy Evans, who will become the sole beneficiary to his uncle's inheritance upon death, which he decides to facilitate, only to find that every picture tells a story. The second segment, Eyes, was the directorial debut of Steven Spielberg, the influential filmmaker of Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Jurassic Park, and Schindler's List. It features Joan Crawford, Tom Bosley, and Barry Sullivan. Miss Claudia Menlo lives in the penthouse on Fifth Avenue in New York City. She's the only tenant in the building except for her staff. She's visited by Dr. Frank Heatherton to discuss an experimental surgery on her eyes to restore her sight. When he initially refuses, she blackmails the doctor until he agrees to transplant the eyes of Sidney Resnick, who agreed to become her donor when she offered a handsome sum to repay his debts. But will Claudia like what she sees with the gift of sight? The third and final segment, called The Escape Route, was directed by Barry Shear, who helmed episodes of The Eddie Fisher Show, The Donna Reed Show, The Man from Uncle, Tarzan, and Ironside. It stars Richard Kiley and Sam Jaffe. Joseph Strobe is a former Nazi concentration camp commander hiding out in Buenos Aires, Argentina, on the run from Israeli agents. His paranoia leads him to believe that he's being followed, and ducks into Museo Nacional de Bellas Artes where he's recognized by Holocaust survivor Blum. Will the memories of his atrocities come back to haunt him? Here's a quote without context. There's one thing I couldn't capture. Her cruelty. Night Gallery is a perfect complement to Serling's The Twilight Zone. While the latter focused on science fiction tales, this series is all about suspense and horror. The acting in each segment was really strong. Roddy McDowell, Joan Crawford, and Richard Kiley carry their stories and give some level of humanity to truly despicable characters as they reach their downfall. Future episodes include Sally Field, Mark Hamill, Diane Keaton, Vincent Price, Patty Duke, Phyllis Diller, Burl Ives, and Adam West. There was a lot of suspense that holds up, but if you're looking for tales from the crypt-type horror, this isn't your show. But like that series, each story has a be careful what you wish for message. It tackles the subject of humanity, and sometimes the capabilities of other humans can be scarier than the mindless slasher killer. I think it's a clever idea that they used paintings, not only to introduce the stories, but they're utilized in the telling of each tale. I'm not sure if that concept continues in each episode through the series run, but it's a nice touch. Now for a little trivial trivia. To get into character for her role in the Eyes segment, Joan Crawford walked around her apartment blindfolded. The cinematography was captured by Richard Batcheller, whose filmography includes Shane, The Flying Nun, It Takes a Thief, and William Margulies, who was nominated for four Primetime Emmy Awards for Have Gun, Will Travel, The Lawless Years, and Outlaws. 
It was edited by Edward M. Abrams, who worked on The Sugarland Express, Street Fighter, and was nominated for Best Film Editing for Blue Thunder at the 1984 Academy Awards, and won a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Achievement in Film Editing for Columbo. The score was composed by William Goldenberg, who wrote the music for The Young and the Restless, Kojak, Columbo, Rhoda, and won three Primetime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Achievement in Special Musical Material for Queen of the Stardust Ballroom, Outstanding Achievement in Music Composition for a Series for the Lives of Benjamin Franklin and King. The runtime is 1 hour 38 minutes. The subsequent episodes were in the range of 50 minutes in Season 1 and 2, and 25 minutes in Season 3. On the Ski Index, I give it 4 out of 5 stars. The series was on for three seasons, 43 episodes from 1969 to 1973. It was nominated for two Primetime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Achievement in Makeup for the episode Pickman's Model, and Outstanding Single Program Drama or Comedy for their Tearing Down Tim Riley's Bar. If you've seen Night Gallery and have opinions on the series, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there'll be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. Since we're celebrating Halloween all month long, I wanted to share some videos that scare the bazongas out of me. I've spoken before about my fear of deep water, where I won't step into an ocean where I can't see down to my feet. It's too vast. There's too much unknown. And too many countries use it as their personal dumpster. Whether it's the hypodermic needles that washed up on the shores of Long Island in the late 80s, up to today, where Japan wants to release radioactive water from the Fukushima nuclear plant, you couldn't pay me enough to take a swim in the ocean. I'm also not a boat person. I'm prone to having an upset stomach. That's always been my weakness. So I don't put myself in a position where I can experience seasickness. So the worst case scenario for me would be to be on a boat that gets stranded in the middle of the ocean. That's a no-win situation. So the first video I'm going to post features ships in horrible storms. I can't imagine what it would be like to see a 15-foot wave rear up over the hull of your boat and soak the deck, only to have your boat be propelled 15 feet over the crest. Enjoy 10 minutes of that. The second video features a 19-year-old who goes on a solo sail from Hawaii to French Polynesia. It's something I would never have the desire to do. But I'm so impressed and inspired by his adventurous nature and poise under not-so-nice conditions. The video blog does get a bit repetitive, because when you're sailing for 25 days and you're alone, there isn't too much to do. Lastly, there's a video on the Drake Passage. It's the 500-mile stretch between South America and Antarctica, where the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, as well as the Southern Ocean Currents meet, which can produce waves up to 50 feet high. It's supposed to be one of the most treacherous journeys for anyone who wants to visit Antarctica. Seems like my biggest nightmare. So I guess I'm only going to see that continent on Google Maps. They're all available in the Matt Watch That Playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. The real one. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Attack the Block. 
Written and directed by Joe Cornish, whose filmography includes the Spielberg animated The Adventures of Tintin, the miniature-sized superhero Ant-Man, and the fantasy family film The Kid Who Would Be King. It tells the story of a group of South London youths, led by Moses, who mug nurse and training Samantha, which is interrupted by meteorites carrying creatures set to invade the neighborhood. It was inspired by an actual event where the director himself was mugged. It stars Star Wars alum John Boyega and Doctor Who alum Jodie Whittaker, so that should be enough for all the Comic-Coners to watch. It also features Alex Esmail, Franz Drame, Leon Jones, Simon Howard, and Three Flavors Coronado alum Nick Frost. Even though it's dealing with an alien invasion, this isn't nope or signs in terms of scares. It's more of an action-adventure comedy, in the same vein as They Live, or Killer Clowns from Outer Space, though not as B-movie. The design of the aliens was based on the arcade game Space Invaders, and the special effects artists effectively brought to life the furry black creatures with glowing eyes. Attack the Block was produced by Big Talk Pictures, known for Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. A sequel is currently in development, with John Boyega reprising the role of Moses. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed, or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSaroski.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for the reviews, rants, and randomness. and won three Primetime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Achievement in Special Musical Material for Queen of the Stardust... Wow, I just lost my enthusiasm for that sentence. He moved back to Ohio to work as a writer at W.A.C. I didn't even get any of those letters right. And the fantasy family film... Oh, Up to today, where Japan wants to release radioactive water from the Fukushima nuclear plant... Ugh. Nuclear. Sound like friggin' Bush.